I want to talk to you about something that God has put on my heart, and I have been putting it off for some time to uh, teach here, and I'm going to teach it tonight. And it's entitled, When God Visits Man. When God Visits Man. And I have known that this verse of Scripture was found a couple of places in the Bible. But when I got to searching it out, I found out it was in numerous places throughout the Scriptures, especially in the Old Testament and just a few times in the New Testament, but with Jesus as well. And it's when God visits man. Now, I'm going to read a couple of verses to you here because when God made the earth, he made it to put man on and to put man in charge of it. Now, if you'll go with me to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, 28, for just a minute, I want to get started with this understanding about it. And... uh, it says, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. This is speaking of Adam and Eve that God made in the garden, before the garden, I mean. And God, look at verse 28, and God blessed them, and he said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion. Notice that. That means oversight. You're the boss. You're in control. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And when God made Adam and Eve, he put them over all things. The Lord made man from the dust of the earth. So we are of the earth earthly. And everything about the earth is for this natural, physical body that we have and that we are. Uh, The air that we breathe is just perfect. God made it that way. The uh, water we drink is perfect for our bodies. This ground, dirty, we walk on it, it's black, but you plant seeds in it, it grows forth out plants, and we eat the fruit and the vegetables and the things that grow out of the ground of it. We eat the animals that eat the grass from the ground. And on and on and on. I'm just pointing out to you here that everything about man is that we are of this earth earthly. And God put us in total charge here of the earth and says, subdue it. Everything, we're the boss. Let me put it that way. Mankind is the boss on the face of this earth and the Lord established it that way. Now, I'm going to refer to another scripture here in Psalms 8 and 3. If you look at that scripture with us also. Psalms 8.3, this is a reference to uh, somewhat the same thing here. Look at 8.3 with us. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. Now the, the psalmist here, which is David, when he's writing this, he says, When I think about how great all of God's creations are, And then verse 4, he says, What is man that thou art mindful of him? When you think of all the things that God has created, even the earth that he made, and he put man on it, what is man that God is mindful of him? So he says here, 
What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou hast visitest, that thou visitest him? The word visitest means an ongoing visitation. Ongoing. Visitest him. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with the glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. Everything. We're in total control of this earth. All sheep and oxen, yea, and all the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the midst of the sea. In other words, what he's describing here is the same thing that we just read over in the book of Genesis when he made man. And he said, now I'm putting you in total charge and you're over everything. So man has been given this position of oversight, of, of being in control, of being the boss uh, of everything. All animals regard mankind. They respect them. They may, uh, well, I know we're afraid of maybe lions and tigers and big animals like that and so forth. And they can, you know, we don't want to get, get out there by ourselves with them. But they regard man. They regard men. If you have a dog, your dog will obey you. He will follow you. He looks to you. You know well know that. The cats that you may have are the same thing. And this goes on with all animals, horses, mules. You can name any kind of an animal and cows and everything. But they will obey their masters because God has made us to be that. He's put us in charge and he's put us over all of these things. Now, God would sometimes visit mankind. Number two, I'm going here now. Number two. God would sometimes visit mankind when they would go into gross sins. Because when they went into gross sins, he says, I'm going to come down now. And I'm going to see what's going on here. Because man is getting out of line with what he was supposed to be doing basically overseeing the earth, not carrying on with gross sins and, and wickedness and, and iniquity and violence and corruption and all the stuff that they got into. And the Lord would say, I'm going to go visit them. Now, understand that God is God. He is everywhere. There's no place he is not. God is a spirit. And he can also be a spirit, manifest himself, but he can manifest himself however he wants to in, in, in an angelic form, as our minister mentioned the other day that he did whenever he wrestled with Jacob. Now, I'm pointing all this out to let you know that there were times when the Lord would use language that we humans would understand. When he would say, I'm going to go down and visit them because things don't look right. Things are going on that looks like it shouldn't be going on. Now, let me give you an example of that. And then I'm going to move on a little further into this. Look at uh, Genesis and chapter. Let me get the verse here. I want to point out to you here. Genesis chapter 11, verse 5, uh, 5 through 9. Ancient Babylon or Babel, as it was called then. We later called it Babylon and would be named Babylon. 11.5. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower. Now, what had happened here 
is that these men had gotten together and said, oh, well, if God ever floods the earth again, we're going to build a high tower and reach way up into the heavens. And if the flood ever comes, we'll just all get up on that tower, get up into the heavens. So let's build a tower so God can't kill us again. He won't flood. The flood won't happen again. And the Lord knew that was ridiculous. They had they, 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 that what they're doing was 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 totally ridiculous. And it was crazy. And it was rebellion against God. Because God said, I will never again destroy the earth by water. He had already promised them that. And it was almost like saying, well, I don't know what God has said, but we're going to take care of ourselves. And we don't need God's help, and we're going to do it. And so all of this developed here in this 10th and 11th chapter of Genesis. Finally, in verse 5, the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, behold, the people is one. They have all one language as they begin to do. And now nothing will restrain them for which they have imagined to do. Uh, go to, let us go down. Who's he talking about us? It's him and the angels. Some angels went with him. And these angels went with him down. Let us go down and there confound their language. Now God didn't have to go down to do that, but he's speaking in a language that people would understand. People would understand that God has come to visit them. I'm going to go down and look and see for myself how it is, and then I will judge from there. So this is what the Lord said. Let us go down and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord, verse 8, scattered them abroad from upon the face of, the, of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. In other words, when they went to build that tower together, and they were from different tribes, and they've been working together and sort of, one of them would say, hand me a stone. They didn't say, hand me some mortar. And they put the mortar and the stone in the sand, and they'd stack it there, and they started building that thing. And so he turned to his friend and said, hand me a stone. But he was talking in Chinese. And the guy said, I don't know what you're saying. He's talking back in Italian. Let's just use that. And the other guy said, hey, I need some mortar over here. And then he was talking in Russian, let's say. They were all talking different languages. And nobody could understand each other. So they started gravitating to the people that they understood, which was people of their own, more or less of their own descent. And so they began to then to change. And so the verse 9 says, Therefore is the name of it called Babel. If you've got your Bible and you see the word Babel, Put a, put a line under the word Babel. That's where the word, Babel means ba, 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 ba. You know, it's Babylon. All right, that's where the word Babylon comes from. Babylon. And because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. So what happened, they began to separate and just begin to gravitate to the people that spoke the language that they understood. And so people began to speak all like the Chinese went one way, the people from India went another way, uh, the people from the, the France went another way, people from uh, England went another way, Spain, I'm just using those illustrations, in Africa, uh, they began went one way, Saudi Arabia went another way, everybody was going different directions and they began to scatter upon the face of the earth. And this is how the God scattered them after he had gone down to view them and see what was going on. He visited the earth. Everybody still with me? We're talking about when God comes to visit the earth. Now, let me go a little bit further here. B, 
God and two angels visited Abraham in Genesis 18. Go to Genesis 18 for a moment. Genesis 18. And uh, what happens is that the Lord, Abraham was, was sitting in his tent door one day and he looked down the street and he saw some three men standing out down the road away outside. He went in and treated them. He said, come on in, coming in. And when he brought them in, he began to talk to them. And it wasn't long until Abraham perceived that this was God in angelic form. They call it a theophany, God as, as an angel, and two other angels with him. And these two angels that were with him, and they were with Abraham. And this whole 18th chapter is about their visit with Abraham and about the Lord telling Abraham, this time next year, you're going to have a son. His name's going to be Isaac, and your wife's going to give a child. And she says, she's thinking to herself, and she hears him. And she says, there's no way. I'm 90 years old. I can't have a children. And he said, and, and she laughed. And he said, oh, you, you laughed. Oh, no, 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 I didn't laugh. He said, oh, yeah, I know that you did and everything. And because she said, I can't have a child. So he talked with Abraham like this about Isaac being born because Isaac would be the next Abraham, Isaac. And then later it would be Jacob and it'd be children of Israel as a nation and so forth. Now. While he was there, they began to leave. They went out the door. They went down the, the, the ways away. And Abraham kept following them and saying, uh, Lord, where are you going? And he said, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah and the five cities of the plains have come up toward me as being very exceedingly wicked. And I'm going to see if it's true. And Abraham knew it was true. He knew it was true. And uh Now, look at verse 16. Look at verse 16. I'm going to pick up here Genesis 18, 16. And the men rose up from thence and looked towards Sodom. This is because Lot and his family lived in the city of Sodom. There was five of those little towns together at the time. Sodom, Gomorrah, and there were three others. The, the, the smallest one was Zora, and there was five altogether. <clears throat> uh, the men rose up from thence and looked towards Sodom, and Abram went with Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. In other words, to walk, take them on down the road. And the Lord said, the Lord, the Lord, now this is God Almighty because it's all capital L's. L-O-R-D means this is talking about Jehovah God. This is the one God of, of in heaven. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great nation, a mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Look at verse 20. And then the Lord, all capital letters, said, Behold, the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done all together. Now, God doesn't have to go down to see that, does he? But you see, he's putting it in human language so that we understand that he's going to visit them. God is going to visit Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities of the plains. I will go down now and see whether they have done all together according to the cry of it, which has come unto me. And if not, I will know. And the men turned. That's those other two angels now. The men turned from their faces from thence and went towards Sodom. 
But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. Now, I won't go into details on this because this is not important here. But what happens here is that Abraham tries to get God not to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of Lot, his nephew, and his Lot's family that was living there. And he said, Lord, if there's 50 righteous people in the city, would you spare it? The Lord said, yes, I would. He said, how about 40? And he keeps on bargaining with God. So I don't doubt that he gets God down to 10. If there's 10 righteous people in the city, will you spare it? And the Lord said, yes, Abraham, I will if there's 10. But Abraham never went any further than that. He went as far as he went. He was hoping that Lot had at least converted enough people that there would be 10 righteous people in the city of Sodom where these angels were going because Abraham knew that Sodom, especially Sodom and Gomorrah and all those cities were given over to total and gross sins. And so those other two angels went on their way and they went to Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, I'm going to go, I'm going to turn over here. What happens that whenever those two angels showed up at, in, in, in the streets of Sodom, Lot says, you guys come inside, you're strangers here, you're visitors. He thought they were just young men. They were angels looking like young men. You better come inside our house here and protect it. And while they were inside the house, the men of Sodom, who were homosexuals, they came to the door and began to bang on the door and said, give those men to us. We want those men. And Lot says, no, 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 I, I can't do that. I can't do it. Yeah, you better do that. And they began care going on and on and on. And they, they, they started almost, Lot even went outside and began to talk to them. And they got real mean and nasty with Lot. And those two angels opened the door, pulled Lot inside and shut the door and said, Lot, you're not going to change them. And they did like that. And all those men were made instantly blind outside the door. They couldn't see where they're going and they wandered away. And now those two angels said to Lot and his family, now, we're going to destroy this place. Now look at verse, look at verse 13. For we will destroy this place. This is 13 now. This is, uh, 1913 of Genesis, right here where my pen is. For we will destroy this place because the cry of them is waxed great before the Lord of God and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Look at verse 15. When the morning arose and the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. That's the only ones that there was righteous was those four. And while he lingered, this is Lot now, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters. The men did, that's the two angels. The Lord being merciful unto them, and they brought them forth and set them without the city, outside the city, that is. Now, verse 24. Then the Lord, I'm jumping way over to verse 24 now to here to save time. Verse 24 through 26. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plains and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt and she died and was turned to a pillar of salt when she looked back because her heart was still back there. Her heart was there. 
should never left that. Now, I'm pointing out to you here when God visits this earth, when God visits this earth. And now he visited Sodom and Gomorrah because of their gross sins. I'm going to digress from my lesson for a few moments here and talk to you about this gross sin that I'm talking about. This was a sin of homosexuality. And uh, if you look at C here with us, the two angels visited Sodom, went down the lot and all that. And note here, God's contempt for the sin, for this sin of homosexuality. I want you to go with me to Leviticus 18.22. Bear with me on this one. 18.22. This is uh, Leviticus. And here's what the Bible says in the Old Testament concerning homosexuality. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. And then he goes on to talk about these abominations, how that they have defiled the land. Over in verse 27, it's not in your notes there, but in verse 27 of that 18th chapter, for all these abominations have the men of the land done which were before you, and the land is defiled. That the land spew not you out also when you defile it as it spewed out the nations that were before you. Here he's talking to Israel. He's talking to Israel here. And he says, I don't want, to, want you to ever have this sin of homosexuality. He didn't call it that because that's a, sort of a modern day thing. He called it the sin of Sodom. Now, I'm reading over here in Deuteronomy. Uh, let's look at let's look in the. I want to go back to the 18th chapter. I read that. Look in the 19th chapter. 19th chapter and the 13th verse. Thou shalt not defraud thy neighbor, neither rob him. Wait a minute. I got the wrong verse. Uh, Leviticus 19, Leviticus 19, 13, 19, 13. No, I've, I've, uh, I've, there are other scriptures. All right, I'll, I'll move on from that. Let me, let me have you go over here to Deuteronomy. There's another place also where it talks about God's contempt and his despising that. Look in Deuteronomy 23 and 17. Deuteronomy 23, 17. Right here. There shall be no whore of the daughters of Israel, nor a sodomite of the sons of Israel. Thou shalt not bring the hire of a whore, the price of a dog, so where they have this is abomination. Both these are abominations of the Lord thy God. Notice here they speaks about it as an abomination. Now, I'm going to go to one other verse, and then we're going to move on here with our main lesson. And I want you to go to Romans with me for just a moment. Look at Romans chapter 1 and verse 24. I'm talking now about a sin that's becoming very common, and they're pushing it in America today. They're pushing it in America. They're trying to say, oh, a person can be whatever they want to be. You know, they can, if they don't like what they are, they can be something else. And it's getting to be a very common thing. And everybody say, yeah, why? Sure, why not? You know, but let me just tell you this, that this is not God's will. God made 
men and he made women. He made the man, he made the woman. Somebody asked me, what if, uh, what if I don't know what I am? I said, go into your bedroom and take your clothes off and look in a mirror and it'll tell you real quick what you are. You don't, you don't have to guess. It'll just, it'll be there. All right. That's, that's, that's the gospel according to Myers. I'll move on here. <laughs> look at Romans. Romans 124. Look at that. This is what the New Testament now says about it. And there are many other verses, but I won't go into more. Just these few I'm going to read, and I'll be through here. Look in Romans 24. It says here, let's see. Romans 124. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Look at verse 26. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections, vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Verse 27, and likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of the error which was meet. And then in verse 20, 28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. And so it goes on to talk in verse 31, without understanding covenant breakers, without natural affection. And this word natural, without natural affection is mentioned all through the epistles in different places where God talks about the sins of man. Now, I'm going to move back into the regular story. But God visited Sodom and Gomorrah because of this great sin. He still despises it, still hates it. It's in the Old Testament rebuked. It's in the New Testament rebuked extensively. And so I'll leave it there. But let me just say this, folks. That when sin continues to expand and grow and everything, finally God says it's time for me to visit. Now, let me get back into our lesson here. I've got some interesting things to talk to you about. Verse number three here. Number three. Throughout the Old Testament, prophets spoke of God coming to visit man. He spoke of it in Job. Now, I'm not going to read all these verses, but they're in there. Job spoke of God visiting man. Isaiah spoke of God visiting man. Hosea spoke of God visiting man. And more, sometimes more than one places. And Jeremiah eight times talks about when God visits man or visits us or visits anyone. And he spoke about eight times in Jeremiah. It always implied God's coming judgment. When God would say, I'm going to go down and visit or I'm going to visit mankind. It says that they would be, there would be judgments that would follow. The prophetic reference were to various nations also, including Egypt, Moab, Babylon, Assyria, and other little countries that, that, uh, that I won't even mention, but anyhow, they're mentioned as well. And, uh, but mostly, A, I'm going to A here, mostly, it was to Israel and to Jerusalem in particular. This is where the God talked about God was going to visit them because of their sins. Now, God didn't have to 
come down and visit them, but it was language that they would understand that God was coming to look to see for himself that they were doing everything that was wrong. Now, I'm going to use a couple of scriptures here. Look in Jeremiah 10.1. Jeremiah 10.1 with me. Hear ye the word which the Lord speaketh unto you, O house of Israel. O house of Israel. I'm jumping over then to verse 15. They are vanity and the work of errors. In the time of their visitation, they shall perish. In the time of their visitation, they shall perish. Turning back over to chapter 8. Look what it says about Jerusalem. 8 and 5. Why then is this people of Jerusalem slidden back by perpetual backsliding? This is where the word backsliding comes from, incidentally. The word backsliding that we use often talking about somebody that's been living for God and they go back out in the world. This is where it comes from, backsliding. Why then is this people of Jerusalem slidden back by perpetual backsliding? They hold fast deceit. They refuse to return. Jumping to verse 12. Look at verse 12 with me. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, or no. They were not at all ashamed. In other words, it didn't matter. Neither could they blush. Therefore shall they fall among them that fall in the time of their visitation. He's talking now specifically of Jerusalem. They shall be cast down, saith the Lord. And he talks about when he would visit Jerusalem and he would destroy Jerusalem and he would begin to do away with Jerusalem. Now, we talked about Israel, we talked about Jerusalem. Uh, let, me go, let me talk to you about this. Look at B here with me for a moment. God reminded Jerusalem that he had brought them from nothing. Now, folks, if you haven't heard anything else I've said tonight, put on your hearing aids. And listen to what I'm going to say now. And I want you to go, if you would, with me to the book of Ezekiel 16. Ezekiel 16. Praise God. All right. Look at Ezekiel 16. Now look at this very closely here. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abomination. Abominations, S, plural. And say, thus saith the Lord God unto Jerusalem. Now, we're talking about Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the city that was, in the, that was the capital city of Israel. It was where the temple was. Very important, a very special place with God. Look what he has to say here. Say thus unto the city, unto Jerusalem, thy birth and thy nativity is of the land of Canaan. Thy father was an Amorite and thy mother an Hittite. I know all about you. I know where you came from. You were a nothing. He goes on to say here in this fourth verse, in your day of your birth, your neighbor was not cut. You weren't washed in water. You wasn't. You wasn't swallowed. You just wasn't even treated at all. 
very kindly. You were just thrown aside. Look at verse 5. None I pitied, pitied thee to do any of these unto thee. In other words, to treat you as a newborn baby. To have compassion upon thee. But thou was cast out in the open fields. This is how he's describing Jerusalem now. To the loathing of thy person in the day that thou wast born. And when I passed by thee, I saw thee polluted in thine own blood. I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. Yea, I said, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. And I have caused thee to multiply as the bud of the field. And thou hast increased and waxing great, and thou art come to exceeding ornaments. Now, I'm reading this to give you a picture here of how the Lord talked about Jerusalem. I brought you from nothing. I brought you from nowhere. I brought you out of nowhere that you, you, you were just a nobody. You were a nothing. Now, let me talk to us a little bit here. That's what he talked about Jerusalem, because Jerusalem was a city that was controlled by the Canaanite tribes of people until David went there. 400 years after Moses and the children of Israel had come into the land of, 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 of Canaan, into Palestine. 400 years later, and this city was still controlled by the Canaanites and the Jebusites, as they were called. And David conquered that city. He went and conquered it and made it to become the city of David. And many times even closer now. There's no other city on the face of this earth that is as special in the eye of God as the city of Jerusalem is. No city. I mean, you can talk about Mecca. Uh, you can talk about Rome. Uh, you can name uh, any great city. In, in the, you can talk about London. You can talk about high city of Tokyo. Great cities in all the world. None of them. None of them. Hold a candle to how God regards Jerusalem. But he said to Jerusalem, I took thee when you were nothing and I made you something. Now, I'm going to say this to all of us, folks. We were nothing till God took us. I'm talking about us now. We're coming down and this, this is all about us today. You know, this is not talking about them then. This is talking about us today. God's visitation. We were nothing. We were nothing. We were nothings. God has brought us from nothing. First of all, we're Gentiles. We were not of Abraham. We have not Abraham as our father. We were, we were Gentiles. God brought us out of nothing. We were just nothing. I won't talk about you. I'll talk about myself. I was nothing. I was a nobody. I didn't count. I well knew it. I well knew it. When I was 16 years old, I was saved. And I went off to Bible school at 17 years old. Just turned 17 years old. And I went off to Bible school in St. Paul. I was living in northwest Florida. A little town called Niceville. And I left from there. And I actually, my family had moved back to Tampa just a week or two before I left. And I left out of Tampa on a Greyhound bus. My mother gave me a shoebox with boiled potatoes, boiled eggs, and some cookies. And said, if you get hungry now, son, you eat this. I had just enough money to pay tuition and some room and board when I got there. And I was afraid to spend any of it. 
So all I ate was what was in that shoe. But two days and two nights on a Greyhound traveling, day and night, sleeping on the bus, traveling from Tampa, Florida to St. Paul, Minnesota. And I was, I, I had, I think I had two suits and then one, one pair of pants and, and a sport jacket. That's all the clothes I had. I had them all packed in a little old bag. My underwear and socks and that's about it. That was it. My mother and dad said that you're going to, you're going to die in that cold weather. You should go up there. And everything. I said, God will take care of me. And I went over there, folks, and I was nothing. I had a friend I met up there and he was from Missouri. He grew up on a farm and his dad had lost a, lost a leg in a corn picker accident and couldn't work anymore. And he said, Mom, Dad, if you'll let me go to St. Paul to Bible School to study for the ministry, because I have a call to the ministry. His name was Lee Cook. He said, if you'll let me go into the ministry. He said, I'll go up there and I'll get a job and I'll send half of my money back home to support the family here. That's exactly what he did. Went to work at Swift's meatpacking plant up there. Worked eight hours. Worked from three in the morning till, till midnight at night. Came home, slept, got up in the morning, went to school in the daytime, ate lunch, and then went to work. Worked all the time. I admired the guy. He and I became good friends. I admired him. He, some reason, I guess he admired me. And there were times that we just looked like we couldn't make it. That was one time I came home and I said, I, I, I'm not going to make it. I can't make it. I had a job in Montgomery Ward as a porter working cutting down boxes and sweeping floors and I worked four hours a night. I had just, just enough, just enough money to pay my room and board. I didn't have any money left over to even buy a, a Coke or a hamburger after church on a, on a Thursday night. I'm just trying to tell you here tonight that we were nothing. I came home one night from work and I laid down on my little old there was a double bunk bed. I laid on the bottom bunk and he was on the top bunk. I laid on that bottom bunk. I laid there and I said, I, I, I'm not going to make it. I know it. I'm not going to give it up. I, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm, I'm nothing. I'm nobody. I am absolutely have nothing. And, uh, he came in and he said, what's wrong with you, Myers? I said, I'm going to go home. I said, I'm not going to make it. No, you're not going home. You can make it. No, no. I said, it's, it's all over with. I, had, I, just, I can't go any further. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And you're, you're going to make it. And I'm going to make sure that you make it. I'm going to hang in here with you. And we're going to work together. And everything. And he kept on talking to me. and kept on. I said, all right, okay, we'll keep pushing. A month later, I came in. And he says, I'm going home. I can't make it. I said, yes, you can make it too. We can make it together. We were nobodies. Folks, we were all nobodies. Where did you come from? My people were just working people. They were common people. We didn't have any money. We didn't have anything. And I'm just trying to tell you here, and, 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 and if I didn't have anything today, I'd say I got Jesus. Praise the Lord. But that's what we had. And I'm just trying to tell you here today, that that's where God found us. We were nothing. He said to Jerusalem, you were nothing when I found you. And if that can be said about Jerusalem, it sure can be said about me. And it can sure be said about all of us. 
We were nobodies. We were nothing. We were nothing. And yet the Lord loved us. He reached down. He saved us. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He called us. Remember when you were called? You remember how you felt? You said, well, I, I came to church and I just got, you know, I got the feeling goosebumps and I got the feeling you know, conviction. That's God dealing with us. That was God saying, I love you. I want you to be saved. I want you to be one of mine. And he was pulling at us and pulling at us. We were saying, no, no, no. I don't know if this is what I want. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can live this life. No, 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 no. He was pulling at us. And finally, we just yielded and said, okay, Lord. And you said, God, forgive me of all my sins. And you began to feel the presence of the Lord and the Spirit of God. Somebody says something about baptism. You said, okay, whatever I got to do. And you got baptized in Jesus' name. And praise the Lord. You kept praying. And then one day or one night or sometime, praise the Lord, God just began to pour out the Holy Ghost on you. And you began to speak in other tongues. And God put his spirit inside of you and made you his child. And we belong to him. And we are his, praise the Lord. But we came from nothing. But the Lord loved us. And he still loves us, folks. And he wants us to be saved. And he wants us to make it to heaven. Oh, hallelujah. Let's lift our hands and worship God. Oh, Jesus, we love you. We love you. We love you, God. Thank you, God, for caring about us. Jesus, when we were nobodies, we were nothing, and we still are. Oh, Lord, you loved us, and you love us to this day. Oh, hallelujah, God. We have nothing within ourselves. Everything, oh, God, that we have that's of any good is all of you. We praise you and we magnify you, God. And we thank you for your many blessings and your goodness to us in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let me move on here. We were nothings and we were nobody. He reminded Jerusalem that he had brought them from nothing. I'm going to see here. Jesus embraced, uh, enters into Jerusalem. Now look at this very closely here with me. I'm looking here at Luke chapter 19, verse 41. Luke 19, verse 41 through 44. Everybody with me there? This is Jesus now when he rode on the donkey into Jerusalem. And they put down palm leaves. Uh, John mentions this palm limbs, palm tree limbs. But Matthew and Mark and Luke don't say palms. They just say tree limbs. But John says it was palm tree limbs. I'll just throw that in for what it's worth. Anyhow, verse 41 of, of Luke of uh, 1941 of Luke. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. That Jesus now, looking at Jerusalem, coming near to it, he was coming from the south, coming through the, going, going to go through the eastern gate, and he had come up on Mount of Olives, and he looked at the city and he wept over it, saying, verse 42, If thou hast known even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy people, but now they are hid from thine eyes. Verse 43, For the days shall come upon thee that thine enemy Enemies shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee round and keep thee in on every side and shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee. And they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another because thou knewest not 
the time of thy visitation. Now, I'm going to say this, and he was talking about Jerusalem. I want to say this, folks. We're getting close to the coming of the Lord. I don't know how long America has got. America is going down the tube fast. There's, there's a war thing going over there in, in, in uh, over in Europe, Russian, and uh, I won't go into all that stuff. But anyhow, they got trouble in the Middle East. They got trouble in China, is North Korea. They sitting there with a, a bombs that could destroy the earth. Somebody's finger on the button, but not pushing it yet. How long do we have? How long do we Gentiles have? You know? How long has God been merciful to us? And it's going to be a time of his visitation for the Gentile world. And I will be more specifically and just say, America, America. How do I know? How do I know America is even going to be here when it's all wrapped up at the very end? I don't know. You don't know. We don't know. I always like to believe I love America. This is my country. You know, I believe in saluting, you know, saluting the flag. I believe in and saying, you know, standing and all those kind of things. I, I respect our nation because I know it was nothing when God brought it from nothing to something. America is a great nation, but one day it was back there in the history. It was just a little old pilgrims that come over on the Mayflower and landed. That started out like there was nothing. And God raised it up to become a great nation. And we think we're something. Now we think we're really something. We're only what God has made us to be in America. I'm talking about Americans now. And we as a church and God's people, folks, we must always remain humble before God. I'm talking about the church now. We've got to always remain humble before God. We are nothing Except what God has made and created us. And we are the people of God. We are the we are the we are the people that God is going to glorify one day. We'll have a glorified body like as unto his glorified body. Paul talked about it. We do not yet know how we shall appear, but we shall be like him, but we shall see him as he is. You can't see Christ as he is unless you have a glorified body like as unto his glorified body. He appeared unto Paul on the road to Damascus when Paul was going there to Damascus to put put Christians in prison. He was still Saul then. And he was going there. The Lord appeared unto him and he was brighter than the noonday sun. Think about it. Jesus appeared to him brighter, brighter than the noonday sun because he was in his glorified state. Praise the Lord. And blinded Paul for three days until he was healed by the prophet that laid his hand on him. I'm just saying that we are nothing and we're nobody, but the Lord is one day going to give us a glorified body. I don't know when the Lord's coming. I don't know if the Lord's coming tomorrow. I don't know if the Lord's coming next month, next year, five years, ten years. I have no idea. And I know the world, you know, we keep preaching the gospel. We keep on winning souls. We keep on reaching out because there are people out there who are starting to say to themselves, I'm nobody and I'm a nothing. And some of them think because I am, I can't be saved. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. I don't care who you are. You can be saved. God loves you. 
He will forgive you of your sins and he'll fill you with his spirit and love you, praise the Lord. Many of us came from nothing out there. We came from nothing. I mean, I, I told you myself, I came from nothing. And I'm just trying to say here today to all of us folks that the Lord loves us so much he wants us to be saved. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to wrap this up here. Jesus entered into Jerusalem, Luke 9, uh, 1940, when I read that. The time of thy visitation. And Jerusalem did not know the day of their visitation. Following their rejection of Christ, and that was their visitation because Christ came among them. Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 A.D. by the Romans. 70 A.D. is, is recorded, this incident is recorded in the book of Josephus in detail. It was horrible, folks, terrible. There was over one million Jews that were killed. They say one million, one hundred thousand Jews that were killed in Jerusalem. They had gathered there for feast days, and some of them had gone to Jerusalem to, to fight off the Romans, and they got behind the walls, and when the walls came down, they were killed. The temple was destroyed. Titus, the general that was in charge, said, don't destroy the temple. Leave it be. And Josephus says that when those soldiers came in, they were so possessed with destroying everything that they started burning down the temple and setting fire to everything and pulling down everything and pulling out the gold. Gold started melting in there and it began to drop and they began to, they went crazy. And Josephus, I mean, the, the Titus, the general that, the, that, that was in charge of everything, Yelled, don't destroy, I said, don't destroy. But it was as though they never heard him. This is what Josephus says. The generals cried out to those soldiers, don't destroy. But it was as though they never heard him. Every one of them, all those soldiers, and they leveled that temple and destroyed it. And Jesus has said, one stone shall not be left upon another. Not one stone left upon another. And I'm just trying to tell you folks that the Lord, praise the Lord, pronounced it. God's going to judge this world, but he will be good and joyful and faithful to his people. You know what happened to all those Christians that were in Jerusalem before all that happened? They knew when the armies came down because they had been warned of Jesus. When you shall see the armies come down and surround the city, then flee. They knew that and they left and they went to another city on the other side of Jordan further north across from Galilee. <clears throat> and they all went up there. And all the Christians, Jews, that were in Jerusalem left. There was no Christian Jews that were left in Jerusalem. And none of them died or perished in Jerusalem because God had given them word. When you see all these things come about, then leave the city and flee. And whenever, sure enough, when it happened, and all those Pharisees and Sadducees had mocked Jesus and scoffed at him. I've been reading the Bible through for this year. And incidentally, if any of you are reading the Bible through, don't quit. Along about the end of the year, we'll try to have a dinner together. And all of us that read the Bible through for this year, we'll, we'll have dinner together. I'll get with you later on in that. This is still early on. But I'm just pointing out to you here and reading the Bible through. We're in that area now of Matthew and getting close to Mark. And I'm just trying to tell you here that it talks about where Jesus talked to these people. And he'd tell those Pharisees and say, this is going to happen. That's going to happen. It's, ah, oh, we don't believe, we don't believe, we don't, we don't believe you. Prove yourself, prove yourself. He could do miracles in front of them, and it never fazed them. And so it came. Jerusalem, he wept over it and said, oh, if I could have just, if I could just spare you. And, and it seemed like there's nothing that he could do.
Uh, this is another scripture here in, in uh, Luke 21 and 9 and 20, 21, 20. And when he shall see Jerusalem compass, when you shall see Jerusalem compass with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Jesus warned them. Look down at verse 24. They shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And folks, we're nearing that. Our time is coming close. Our time of the Gentiles is coming very near. Praise God. Matthew, of course, speaks about it. This is Matthew and I'm reading here 2337. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, 2337. How often would I have gathered thee, thy children to, together, even as a mother hen gathered her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And the Lord is saying, and so from that time on, 70 A.D., folks, the Jews were scattered throughout the world. And they're still scattered to this day. That's why Jews are in all the countries all over the world, because they were scattered at that time. But God's going to bring them back. He's going to bring them all back again. That's another Bible study. Praise the Lord. That's another direction. But I'm just saying to you and I that the time of the Gentiles is drawing close to a close and God has given us the wonderful privilege to be saved. I want to encourage every one of you to reach out to everybody that you know. Try to get them to come to church. Try to get them to pray. Try to get them to read their Bible with you. Give them a home Bible study. Teach them the word of God because we don't know how much time we've got. Do you have a friend? Do you have a loved one? Do you have relatives that you'd just like to win to the Lord? And or is there anybody here today that would like to go further into the word of God to know more about it for your own salvation? If so, there's others that will help you because that's what God has called us to do to reach out to the other. Because we all came from nothing and nobody's. But one day the Lord is going to have us walk streets of gold. Hallelujah. We'll have a glorified body like as unto his glorified body. Praise the Lord. And we'll shout the victory. Let's all stand together and praise God.